Hi folks, welcome back to another Rap Chat podcast with Film Network Ireland and the Head Stuff Podcast Studios. And um, This is Mia Malarkey here and I'm really excited that today I'm going to be chatting with Almond Fuere. So she is one of Ireland's most prolific and I think one of Ireland's most distinctive actresses. Um, she just has this amazing sort of energy and look and voice and just her whole style of performance is just very very unique um, and I've been a really big fan for a number of years so it's really really cool to get to chat to her today um, so we're going to be talking about her body of work in the last so she, she's been doing work on screen for the last decade so we'll talk about some of her films um, talk a little bit about theatre and sort of the difference between those two and just I guess acting and self-tapes and you know how to what's going on right now with the pandemic she's still doing a hell of a lot of work which is amazing so it's kind of it's really interesting the film and tv personnel are still um essential workers despite being in like right now we're in level five lockdown and we're still able to work so that's really interesting so we'll be talking about that um and yeah just i suppose picking her brain because she's She's such an artist and she just brings so much flavour to everything she does. And I think maybe one of my favourite films that she's in is Mandy, um, which I really highly recommend if you haven't seen it. It's just, it's super cool. It's really out there. It's visually very, very rich. Um, and the performances are like really heightened, really um, full on. So great, great film. Um, so yeah, I really hope you enjoyed this podcast and we're we're recording from zoom because unfortunately we can't go into the studio at the moment with everything the way it is um so i think maybe the audio quality won't be exactly what you're used to for a lot of the podcasts but uh yeah we i recorded we've three different recording sources so hopefully the sound engineer can pull something out of the bag on this one um and i really hope you enjoy it and i just think owen is one of the coolest actresses in town so Enjoy the podcast. What is Dublin? Do we have to explain what Dublin is? The Dublin podcast is an eternally pregnant woman. Um, I mean, I've been pregnant three times. Yeah, but you've been pregnant since I met you. Right, okay. Hanging out with a neurotic middle-aged toddler mm -hmm. and the way that those two people from very opposing sides of the um, world see the, see the world around them. Is that it? I is think that that's a good it. explanation well, of it? That's a very good explanation. Uh, you can listen on Spotify, you can listen on iTunes, you can listen on the Headstuff Podcast Network. We're on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Dubyard, Dublin Podcast, Dubyard Air Hulls. Dubyard Air And I'm delighted to kind of just even get to know your work through looking at what you did. It's fascinating. Yeah, great. And actually, I was um, giving a little lecture with Claire Dix yesterday. She works in the Dublin oh. Business School. And I've seen Take Me Swimming. It's beautiful. Yeah. Lovely film. Yeah, yeah gorgeous film. Really um, sensitive and really textural and the, yeah. the paintings in the ocean. And your performance yeah. is beautiful because it's quite... Um, it's always really challenging to play someone with Alzheimer's or who's, you know, becoming more and more aloof and distant. 
and mm-hmm. to still embody that and, and sort of bring something grounded. So it's a kind of, uh-huh. there's a lot of subtlety that you have to bring to that. So it was, it was a beautiful performance. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I mean, I kind of, my mother started getting dementia in her late 90s, um, which is same, same sort of thing as Alzheimer's. It's a different disease, but um, manifests very similarly. So, uh, uh, you know, I had plenty to draw on. And mm-hmm. the big thing I remember about my mom was um, there was a kind of a mischievousness, extra mischievousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she would often, if, if she didn't know what was going on, she'd often crack up laughing. <laughs> you know, it was her way of covering it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So things like that, you know. So does it? Uh, yeah, because you bring some of that playfulness into your performance, you know. Yeah, yeah. I kind of had had her as an inspiration, you know. And then she got quite. She could get quite violent, like she'd lash out like mad. So I use that for when they're bringing me into the car, you know. Mm, very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Barry Ward was terrified because I was because <laughs> I'm very <laughs> strong. <laughs> Must have probably hurt. <laughs> Barry Ward, he's such a beautiful actor. Oh, he's fabulous, and he's gorgeous in that film. Oh, he's wonderful in it. Yeah, and he—he he was like that. He was just like that to be with. You know, he's just a, a, a gorgeous human being. I think he is. Yeah, I got to hang out with him at a festival. Maybe it was last year in Italy, and he's just—he's so on the level. He's so easygoing. Like, there's no yeah. pretentiousness. He's just straight up, and he's loads of fun to be with. So. He's lovely. Yeah, yeah, he's a sweetheart. And I'm, I can kind of, I can see his career really like blossoming and it's really nice to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's lovely when it happens to those people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you, so I just um, was looking up, so I've seen loads of stuff you've done, but I haven't seen, uh, so I've seen less, no, hang on, how do I phrase this? I've seen maybe like 30% because you've got a huge, impressive body of work. So in, in theatre, yeah, I mean, like, Four, four or five decades of it you know it's, it's like phenomenal. a lot yeah mm-hmm. um when I look at it I go where did all that go <laughs> <laughs> um so prolific though but but also in film like you've got quite a number of films under your belt that only really started I mean I did a bit of film very early on um and I've always been fascinated by film I always thought you know that was my medium but then live performance took over and there was so little film happening in Ireland at the time and so little film of the kind that I would be cast in, you know, and, and, or that I was even interested in, to be honest, because it was very, you know, and I think the whole, when the whole film thing started in Ireland, it was still very quite formulaic. You know, I had great hopes thinking we were going to be producing all these kind of like fascinating way out there, marginal kind of things. And uh, it was kind of very much within the Hollywood mode, I think, right? the formulaic Hollywood. Story. And then that, that started to shift. So in a way, um, my, 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 my step back into film um, just kind of really happened with uh, sort of this must be this. Um, this must be the, the place and the other side of sleep. They both happened around the same time. And then I started back into film more. Um, the other thing about live performance is that, you know, with theatre, you kind of, you're working on your own project as well as maybe on two or three other people's projects, and 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 you're you're booked up for like two month, two sorry, two years or more. So you're kind of off the picture for film completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was happening to me as well, you know. Um, so in a way, uh, it, it's by creating the space for the for film to come in that it came in a bit more by just saying, okay, well, I've done so much done so much work in live performance and uh, 
film is a whole other world. Uh, I, I always feel really, I still feel incredibly green when I'm working on film. You know, I, I still go in there saying, I haven't a fucking clue how to do this. And I just kind of go with it and hope for the best. And I've, I've learned to be able to let go of takes and not, not go, shit, I need to do that better again. You know, because just, if it's good for everybody else, let it go. That's my, <laughs> my way of working now. Otherwise, you know, you'll never be happy. Mm. Um, so I've been really fortunate in the kind of films that I've done really in the last, I think it's about 10 years now that it started up. Around 2010, I think, is when I did, um, when I, 2010, 2011 is when I did This Must Be The Place. And sort of since then, it's kind of moved up again. Yeah. Um, but I haven't really played a main role in film other than maybe the closest would be The Survivalist. Yeah, I haven't seen that one, no. unfortunately. Oh, that's a fantastic movie. Okay. It's on my to-watch list. Oh, it's really powerful film. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I'm probably really, oh yeah, I'm really proud of that one. Okay. Uh, just because I think it's a brilliant film, philosophically as much as anything, you know, it's uh, um, it's it's one of those post-apocalypse or apocalypse films which where nature is thriving, but the human race is, is diminishing fast. Ah, okay. Yeah. It's kind of like the opposite to a lot of uh, apocalypse films, which is where nature kind of crumbles, you know, but uh, yeah. Oh, that's nice. I mean, it's timely to, to yeah. be thinking about these things. Yeah, but that was 10 years, that was, no, not 10 years ago. Yeah, nearly 10 years ago. I think we made it in 2014, 15, mm. uh, five, years, five, six years ago. Yeah. So it's interesting um, what you're saying about, you know, you felt like, and I agree with you, that Irish cinema was playing it safe you know we hadn't found our voice as a nation cinematically let's say the way other countries have a new wave and they act you know they're daring there's a lot of independent spirit and you know I think in Ireland in the last number of years that has been happening and yeah. so you're saying that your venture over to the big screen coincides with maybe that movement it kind, of, kind of coincided but not out of any um not because I not because I spotted it or anything, you know, it was more, I guess, I just wasn't in that, in that, I was doing so much other live stuff. And, but then, you know, when I started moving back into film, I, uh, yeah, you know, I was kind of became a lot more aware of what all the film that was going on. And um, I mean, you know, there were a few breakthrough films of the ones I've seen. I, I always feel that Adam and Paul was a big breakthrough Irish film in terms of, as a, as a modern classic, it kind of broke the mold and broke the formula and um, became very much, a, you know, it, 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 it had a kind of purity of intent, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's a gorgeous uh, film. Me, oh, it's a wonderful. And to me, that's one of the great breakthrough Irish films, you know, like, and, and, and Mark, Mark O'Halloran, who is such a genius, I think, and uh, and Lenny were a great combination, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And they've they've paved the way for the next generation to be more daring. They so did. Yeah, they so did. That that's my opinion. You know, of of what I know of of Irish film, I really felt that that was a that was a breakthrough moment. Yeah, and to have more of an Irish voice, to not you know be so influenced by American cinema or British cinema, and to just kind yeah. of carve out our own path a little bit. Totally. Yeah. Totally. It 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 was. Closer to the European tradition than yeah, the American. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah. And so then, like, I guess um, I would be much more familiar with film than theatre. Like, I would go to the theatre maybe when the Dublin Theatre Festival's on or the Galway Arts Festival 
Um, but I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't have a huge knowledge about it. Um, but what for you, what, what's the biggest differences and what, what are the biggest similarities for you acting on stage and acting on the screen? Hugely different. I mean, as I say, I still feel very green when I go on set and when I start shooting. Um, I, I, I did actually, I mean, you know, you can read a lot about it. I've never trained it. I've never trained formally in theater or in film, you know, I have no training. So it's kind of find your way. Uh, I think, I, I think the, if I was to identify a few major differences is um, one obviously is in live performance, you are the maker, you control the arc, you, you really, um, you take people on a particular journey. Um, and they come with you, hopefully, but you, you, you take them on a journey on a kind of experiential journey. And you are, you're captain of that boat, whatever. And you control the arc. Even if it's not a solo show, you know, like if you're in a, you still control the arc of what you're offering. Uh, in film, you can't do that. Obviously, that's totally in the hands of the filmmaker and ultimately the editor, really. Um, uh, and uh, so that's one thing. The other thing is, I think you really work with with your fellow actors or with an audience. So you're you're really working on a kind of a kinesthetic level with an audience in live performance. It's you know there's kind of a molecular communication going on in the bodies in space, and and I think that's an incredibly powerful intangible thing, which is probably why theatre has survived the thousands of years that it has as an art form, as a kind of primary art form, really. Um, so that that's a form of magic in itself, I think. I do think that live performance, yeah, it's a form of magic and it, and, and it affects transformation on multiple levels, I think, and can, can affect transformation on multiple levels. Whereas with film, that, that really doesn't happen until in my view, it doesn't really happen until the film is being watched by people. Um, however, I think that probably is, and this is the thing, this is the element of the craft that I would love to access and feel that I could uh, travel in, mm -hmm. um, is the, is, is the, the, I think there sometimes is this, this kind of mysterious connection between a, uh, an, an actor and, and a camera, you know, but, but, you know, if the camera's way over there, how do you do that? <laughs> you know, and also, uh, I, I find it very hard to sense it. Um, so, so maybe there is that in, in, in film, but I, I kind of don't quite know how to access it. So it's a much more film, I think is a much more solitary, uh, craft in a way. I think it's something I'm suspecting, I mean, these are all things I'm sensing as I'm doing it, but I suspect there's something about pulling it in and I'm not talking about doing it small or anything like that, but something about having it inside your body that maybe is the way to work with it, you know, bringing it inside your body in some kind of way, because the big thing with film is that half the time, you know, that you don't see your body and, and, and you kind of think, oh, well, you know, what my body's doing isn't that important, but actually, I think maybe the secret is that it is that there is there is an embodiment aspect to it, which we don't 
know what that is, but so they may be. Um, so they're all the things really. Um, uh, and obviously there's the, there's the thing of going out there or coming in here and all that. Um, and the, and the fact, so, so maybe it has to be a lot more inside the body. I'm just exploring as I'm talking to you, really. What are the, what are the major differences? Well, it's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, even just the idea of, of a different kind of embodiment, because it's not yeah. a fellow human or you don't have the electricity of some audience in the dark out there. It's this technology. It's like yeah. it's you in a machine. And so yeah. you have to kind of surpass something in your head that might be primal of like the body and the other bodies in space and mm -hmm. and just somehow know that it will translate. But you're not yes. you're not having that moment unfold directly, but you know it will unfold yeah. digitally later. But that yeah. I guess how because it's interesting, you do a lot of dance work and your dance work's really beautiful and it's very it feels kind of intuitive. And so mm -hmm. do you have to have a little mechanism whereby you're not being too cerebral about like, there's the technology, there's the camera, I need to, like, how do you remain intuitive and, and embody whatever role you're playing for the screen, for the camera? Well, that's the big question. <laughs> you don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, I actually do say that. I, so the last director I was working with um, uh, went on Texas Chainsaw, uh, who, I got on, who I got on very well with, but uh, he, he asked me actually that, that exact same question as you just asked me. And I went off, we were all, it was all on WhatsApp by text. And I went off and like I wrote a big essay virtually. <laughs> he said, I would like to hear more on set. <laughs> but uh, my big thing was, was that, you know, that um, trying to, I would love to achieve the same level of craft in film as I or carry in live performance. Mm. That's about it really. Mm. Now, I know that my work in live performance will hugely feed into, is probably already hugely feed, feeding into the, the work that I do on film, but I don't quite know beyond that. <laughs> I think like so, uh, one of the things you do well that probably has translated really nicely for you is um, stillness, that you, mm -hmm. you're good at stillness and it can be in the eyes or it can be in the whole physique, but... I think on for camera that translates really powerfully and right. you know when you're when I'm falling into the performance of an actor on screen they're able to find those moments of stillness that kind of just pull me into them and allow me to kind of gaze at them and wonder about their emotions and I think mm -hmm. and I, I think that's something you had on stage as well that you're able to bring over. Well I'm very glad to hear you say that funny enough who was I talking to yeah I did I did one of these chats for Axis, Axis mm. Valiman with uh, Mark O'Brien, and he, he he said this thing which which made me very feel very happy uh, mm. because I was talking about you know my interest my 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 deepest interest really is in nonverbal in the nonverbal communication really and um, and he said oh that's you know he said when I think of your work I think of silence and of course. Uh -huh. I've used so much language in my work, but and I thought, oh God, I'm really glad to hear that. Um, so I'm glad to hear the stillness one as well. Now. Yeah, yeah. So we're obviously on the same page because they're very much, you know, of the body and of the voice, and it's it's the moments mm. in between where yeah. it's like you're just with the heart and the mind, and it's mm. like, and that you know, you get pulled in then. And I think, I think one, like maybe the first thing I saw you in was The Wake by Una Kearney. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's a it's a beautiful dance film, 
Yeah. And so there is no dialogue and, you know, it's very much about physical expression and moment like the pause, those really crucial yeah. moments of stillness. So that was my first ever experience of your performance. So that that's kind of set a foundation of how I watch your performances in a way. So oh, wow. I have a good association of you with, with silence and stillness and just knowing when yeah. to hold the space and hold the emotion. Um, uh -huh. And I can kind of see that then in other the later films that I got to see. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so it's nice. I, and I, I think it's something like we were talking about on stage. It's slightly bigger because the performance, you know, the audience is far away. And then the camera, you have to kind of maybe contain it a little bit more. And, you know, it could be smaller, but also you're, you're trying to bring it in here a bit more. So I think huh. with the dance, there's maybe a bit of freedom to go into a different terrain again. Uh -huh. how, how was shooting that? Shooting that, oh no, it was, it was. I mean, it was like I think we. I think the good thing about what working with Una that on that was we we actually spent two weeks up in Shawbrook in in Longford in the middle of nowhere, kind of living and and living together and improvising. So that actually was the prep, and maybe maybe that's the secret really is the prep, you know, the preparation mm -hmm. um, for film. Well, for anything really, um, and that you can forget it all. You know? When you're actually doing it uh so uh so that was the really great part of it um shooting was yeah i mean i'm trying to remember we ended up shooting in this big house which presented its own problems i think but um and it was quite a short shoot and and you know it's low budget the whole thing but it was a great group of people and we had a um we had a very easy communication with us all you know um and I, actually i'm I think I was the only one in it who's not actually a dancer. <laughs> I mean, I work a lot with dancers and in dance theater and in the dance film, but I'm not actually a dancer. But um, but but I uh, yeah, I have this kind of I'm very starstruck by 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 dancers. Actually, I, I just go, you know, how do you remember all these moves? And they say to me, how do you remember all those lines? <laughs> but, but I just find I mean, I can I can dance and I can move well but but when it comes to choreography or anything specific you know where i have to really move in in sync with everybody else that takes me forever mm. i have to really really work hard at it you know and and i always say especially i need a special needs class please <laughs> i feel like i must have some uh some dyspraxic thing in me i'm not sure oh. <laughs> well it's hard it's definitely hard like yeah, yeah. if you're not used to it it's all the coordination yeah. yeah i actually saw funny enough randomly this morning a music video that you're in by oh, just recently just this morning coincidentally yeah 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 is it the one that i did for focus ireland with larry bow yes yeah yeah really beautiful beautiful location and just cool kind of rugged energy and there's yeah. one part i think he's talking about walking like his dad or like the, the way his dad yeah. walked or something walk and you, like your father yeah and you start doing this like really kind of groovy like masculine oh, yeah. walk i love that it, it, it reminded me of um christopher walken's walk in that fat boy slim video and it's oh. kind of like there's something really funky and like in control about it i know oh, it's good. a really yeah it's a good i oh, really like that. that yeah that was um Larry, I, I didn't know Larry at all, and I, I and it was about four years ago on on Inishbofin with at um, Patter Patter King's festival. Yes, he's great. So I know you know because I saw you you recorded some of your stuff at the Black Gate. Yes. Um, uh, so it was at Patter King's 
festival and uh and there were a few musicians there and Larry I'd never seen him before and I thought god he's incredible um <laughs> and then um and then he got in touch with me uh, a couple of months ago and just said he was making this piece and uh you know would I do it and I said yes straight away mm -hmm. and then we shot it in the Man Valley mm. um, and it was like the worst possible day it was <laughs> heavy rain and miss you don't even see the rain in the video it was like we were all sodden mm. and there was wind and rain everything um I don't know how we got, but it looks fantastic stunning it just looks fantastic and it was the tiniest team you know Alison Keneally who's the amazing designer um who's a friend of Larry and friend of mine as well and, and she and and then the the two the two lads on camera and it was just fantastic but um Larry had 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 kind of he kind of storyboarded it slightly and he said and there's this bit and you kind of groove <laughs> so I just kind of followed uh -huh. and then there was a few ideas couple of ideas that I brought in as well like the run at the end mm, yeah um, which I, I like and yeah. a couple of things like that but um no that was fun to do uh but it was it was very it was very much Larry's kind of direction really mm. you know? yeah it's I great though it. it's it's just it's like it's so dramatic this solitary figure in this vast barren landscape the weather is really like you know you can feel the weather you can't see the rain but you can feel the heavy grays and then yeah. just this kind of this mad funky woman, you know, rushing yeah. through the landscape. <laughs> it's good fun. Right. Yeah, no, it was, it was quite something. And then La Larry, uh, he's such he's such an extraordinary character. There's this great you probably just about see it on the video, but he's singing away and he sort of clocks this figure and he just goes like this. And it's like <laughs> there's so many little beautiful little grace notes in the mm. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd say it was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, yeah. And so what else did I see? I've seen Mandy, which I thought was oh, really cool. Yeah. Like oh, Mandy's, Mandy's a work of art. I oh, it's amazing. Extraordinary. And actually Mandy, the, the survivalist was my big passport into film, really. Mm. Um, and now Mandy is. And like, uh, in fact, I did another music video la last week for um, uh, a musician called Christian Cole. I don't know if you know him. Mm -hmm. And then uh tr directed by Tristan Hinu and oh yeah they were all saying yeah Tristan Hinu and they were all saying oh Mandy's my favorite film you know they're all like <laughs> Mandy's, the, Mandy's the thing and even Christian yeah. said now I can say the woman who's in Mandy did my music video yeah 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 totally <laughs> totally like such a cult classic um, <laughs> it's but, such a cool that, movie oh yeah and this is a really special film to do mm. um Panos is is just I mean, he's a, such a unique human being. Mm. It was wonderful to work on. He knew exactly what he wanted, which was wonderful because mm. actually it wasn't like rigid wanting. It was a, a kind of a form or a mode, you know, that once you got it, you just knew what he was after. Um, it was really, it was really satisfying to do actually. He got amazing yeah. performances from everybody. Yeah. Like it yeah. felt like the acting was so playful and wild and unhinged yeah. and across the board, everybody really got to let some madness out. Yeah. Well, I, one of the things when I was approached about it, they said, um, watch his first film, which is Beyond the Black Rainbow. Mm. Because when I read the script first, I was going, eh, you know, I wasn't sure about it. I thought, yeah, no, you know, it's all right. And then I watched Beyond the Black Rainbow and I saw that the kind of the type of performances he 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 works with and I went I get it mm -hmm. and it was totally my access into it 
is this kind of it's almost like slowed down time and everything a little bit heightened and you everything's a bit slower and weirder but it's not like imposed it's a bit like breaking down time in a sort of a way mm. it's really interesting mm. that's that's what that's what i saw what he was doing he's kind of stretching time and slightly and giving it a drop of acid at the same time <laughs> <laughs> oh it's yeah. so trippy i mean yeah. and he has really his own language of cinema like because he's bringing in a lot of different ideas you know it's kind of like a fantasy novel but then it's mm. kind of like a real 80s kind of classic you know it has sci-fi because of the lens flare and then like there's so many ingredients that he's pulled together in this completely unique way so you know, as a filmmaker, you're like, what, how, where did he come up with that? It's brilliant. Yeah. How do you do I mean, he's a real, you know, you feel like you're watching a, a graphic, you know, like a, a comic book, like a graphic novel, mm. basically. Yeah. With those colors and everything, you know, yeah. the swirling of everything. Um, he's, he's fascinating. I mean, like, I think his influences are fascinating. He's a real stay-at-home guy, apparently. Or at least, so I've been told by his friends and everything, you know, that he, he, all he wants to do is be at home with his wife and his cat. And <laughs> will he make another film? I don't know. And and this film, as his first one was, they were, they're basically based on a kind of... A, a, they're basically mourning films for his parents. You know, his, his mother was, a, was an artist, a sculptor. His father was a filmmaker. So he talks about... Very interesting talking about it. He says, beyond the black... Rainbow was my in-breath and um, Mandy was the out-breath. Wow, that's cool. Amazing. Because yeah. yeah. wasn't his dad a film director in like the... Yeah, yeah and he would have... Yeah, all the Rocky movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like that's an amazing kind of cornerstone then for him to have as a, you know, inspiration and reference and just, you yeah. know, a access to the industry and stuff. But you can see how he's really inverting stuff and kind of transgressing a lot of the genres that he probably grew up with and mm -hmm. it's just he's, he's so unique he's such a unique vision totally such oh i would love i would love if he made another film and if he did i'd i'd, I'd really want to be in it <laughs> and how was it like how was it for you with just performing and like day to day and how was the experience of it i was it was great you know i mean because it because i kind of because I sort of could feel what he was after. It was really just to be immersed in that. Mm. Um, and uh, and it was great as it was very different to working on any other film in some sense, because, for instance, like I remember whoever was working on continuity uh, would every now and then pipe up. And it was like Panos would look back blankly like <laughs> what do you, continuity <laughs> like uh -huh. it's totally irrelevant to him. <laughs> Um, yeah, things like yeah. that. Yeah. But it was lovely, and it was great. You know, like Linus is so such an extraordinary guy as well. Fascinating thing with Linus is that he had been a member of a cult as well. Oh wow! Drew on a lot of that, I think. Okay, yeah, he's amazing yeah. in it. He was wonderful. In oh it. yeah, so mm. intense, like terrifying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay, um, so it really helps then when you have something in the real world to kind of ground your, your yeah, performance. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying, so, so Mandy and The Survivalist are two like really standout films. Well, they're kind of my passports into film, if you know what I mean. Um, usually, if somebody is, you know, want, it, it, people come up, you know, the way people come up to you or people ask you to work with, 
them or whatever. Very often it's the survival of Storm Andy that are that are quoted. Oh, yes, okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, saying, I saw you in the survivalist and I thought I'd really like to, whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. Or with Mandy. But Mandy's the kind of like, um, yeah, like I remember going to a David Byrne concert, not long after Mandy was out, I remember going to a David Byrne concert in Sydney. Mm. And I was walking down the steps into my seat and this guy passed me and he stopped and he turned around and stared at me and said, oh my God, you are in Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> So halfway across the world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's one. Yeah, it yeah. is one of those films that has a cult following. Like, yeah. I think you just you just get it. You fall into it and you fall in love with it, and it's it's so rich. Um, yeah. So what? Like, are there any others that kind of, you know, carry weight for you, or that you really enjoyed, or? Oh God! I mean, uh, like I, I'm, I'm loving working in film. Actually, I really want to do more and I want, you know, I want, as I say, I want to achieve that or reach in some way that level of craft or feeling that I can connect with it, you know, in the way that I can with live performance. Um, so I, 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 I don't really look back. I kind of look forward. But um, let me see. Um, of the list you looked at, I mean, I don't know. They're, no, those two are really significant. And of course, you know, some of the short films like Take Me Swimming or, um, or, or The Wake, they're really great experiences as well. But, but it's funny that whole, that whole world of the short film, somehow, I, I guess because they are short and there's so many of them, you don't feel they have the same reach, mm. you know, that as many yeah. people see them, maybe filmmakers see them but yeah. not as many, you know, audience see them. And, and I'd be a bit the same. I'd be less inclined to look at a short film than I would a, a feature, you know? Yeah. So, um, and it's, so it's like a short story as well. They don't get as widely read as a novel. Yeah. yeah. Although, funnily enough, I think my favourite liter literary form is short story. Ah, okay. I absolutely. I adore short... I mean, a good short story writer, there's nothing like it. Like a, I started reading Kev Kevin Barry's short stories last year and I was going, oh, fantastic. Brilliant, yeah. And, and then others like Claire Keegan, incredible. Mm. And um, and, my, and of course, the, the, the brilliant one, um, Raymond Carver, which mm. like, uh, yeah. Raymond, every single short story of, of Raymond Carver is just it's sublime. Nice. Yeah, it's just that art of le it's all like almost like a haiku or something. It's that art of leaving you with something that stays with you. Mm. It's just a small little turn that suddenly it's such a gem, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think it's a really probably a really difficult form, but it's it's probably my favorite literary mm. form. Have you read yeah. Guy de Maupassant? No. The French author. I think he's no. it's maybe two centuries back. Yeah. Um, beautiful. I think he only did short stories. He didn't branch it out into novels, but sort of like Roald Dahl in that there's usually a really good moral twist that, that just pulls you in and totally satisfies. Um, I must read him. I, I'd probably read him in French. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Because my, my, I, have, I have this big thing about translation, you know. Translation is like an interpretation so often. Mm. And, and it's, I mean, what, uh, another marvelous writer Gabriel Garcia Marquez it's interesting you read you read his novels and the 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 ones you can tell which ones are translated by that person and which ones are translated by that person and the yeah. difference between them and um I mean I've translated a couple of 
French plays and uh, and uh, you know that really came across that that conflict between interpretation and pure translation yeah and it's impossible actually not to somehow interpret mm. you just have to hope to god you get a really good interpreter yeah. and it's translated and then they bring extra flavor and and maybe they've really felt inside the author's heart so they kind of honored that mm. but yeah my, my boyfriend works for lilliput press so he, oh lovely yeah so he's quite aware of like good translations um, and bad translations and if i'm yeah. ever buying a book he's always like who translated that book and he'll, he'll, he'll kind of know who a lot of them are and so yeah. it, can, it can really like dampen something down or sort of you know dullify or you know like it can really put you off, you know, and something just badly, or even just how the construction or something can just make it too difficult, you know. Mm, yeah. yeah. And actually, so this leads me on to you're doing something on, hang on, what's the title? The Ulysses Project. I was really curious about that. Oh, yeah, that's, that's actually nothing I did really. Um, it was, um, it was again. It was one of those for for charity. Mm, um, okay. It was for uh, as a soup kitchen in Brooklyn, um, and it was uh, a couple of Irish people who live in London, who probably half live in New York as well, um, who I don't really know, but got in touch with me to ask would I. Uh, they were they were trying to they wanted to do, obviously not the whole book, but they wanted to do a film for Bloomsday, with bits of it spoken by different actors from all over the world uh, and projected for Bloomsday in aid of this soup kitchen. So I think they raised a fair bit of money. Yeah. So that's what, so we're all in it. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I saw Barry it. Ward is in it and I was like, oh, yeah, nice, yeah, you yeah. got to work with him yeah. again. Uh, yeah, no, so we that was literally recorded on, all on our iPhones during lockdown. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. So I, I'd, I'd said, um, so they, they wanted, they sent me what they'd like me to do. And I did maybe 50% of what, you know, what they asked. And it was all very, you know, it was, well, but it wasn't easy. I mean, I, I find self-taping really, really difficult. So it was like a form of self-taping. Mm. So my resentment always rises when I have to self-tape. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel that anybody, uh, so I prefer getting somebody to do it for me, but of course it's impossible now, um, you know, because everywhere like that is closed. So, uh, but but it, there is that thing when I'm self-taping, I'm, I'm saying, they're going to read from my eyes and I'm saying, for fuck's sake, why <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna know <laughs> yeah and of course now i mean it must like you must have to do more self-tapes now than ever because you can't go to the interview room you know well, or the audition room i should say self-taping has came in way before the lockdown mm. self-taping is like uh i fought against it for so long but you know there's only so much fight you can fight a, a massive tide yeah um, and uh and my agent's very sympathetic and everything. And whenever I can do the meeting or whenever they can accept to do the meeting, but it's a really, really difficult thing because I think that's not, that's not what making work is about. It's not about just looking at something and saying that'll fit. It's, a, it's actually about a whole chemistry between you and the people you're working with. And that's the crucial thing. And that puts, that's what produces the goods, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, without going into the argument too much. Uh, so the self-taping thing has been around for the last couple of years or longer. But um, but there are a few places you can go that will do the self-tape for you and they'll read opposite you and they'll sort out the light and they'll even break it down and send it off, you know. 
Right. And there's a great place in, in Bow Street. There's a guy called Connor who used to do it. But of mm. course, that's closed now. Yeah. And and I don't know where he is, but, you know, he's kind of disappeared off the face of the <laughs> earth. So I need to find another system like that because that's the best way is to... So when you're self-taping yourself, you're just so super critical mm. and you, you're thinking about everything else and, you know, you're thinking about the light, this, the, that, and going, no, that's shite. And you know, mm. uh, it takes forever. Yeah. And to just have, like, to have anyone to bounce off, just to say, like, no, it's fine, or, like, anything, even just... Yeah. And know. to play it back to you, and you're not, you know, it's a different way of looking at it, you know, anyway... So I'm going to have to find somebody else to do it. Because mm. anytime I went into that studio to do it, I would be offered the role. Anytime I did it on my own, I wouldn't be. Ah, <laughs> so, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's a definite pattern. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to know. So did you, yeah. so let's say the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, to, is that's finished shooting, is it? Yeah, finished shooting. We, we, we were shooting in Bulgaria. Ah, amazing. So I got back from there two weeks ago. Oh, was that a self-tape? How did you get into that? That, well, that's, see, this is the other bugbear about self-tape. Half the time I've discovered from directors that I've worked with that, um, you know, well, in, in a couple of circumstances, anyway, um, the whole casting system isn't really what they're, involved in in many ways you know they I've, I've heard from a few directors that people they wanted in certain roles now I'm not talking about myself now the people they wanted in certain roles were, were, weren't cast um so there's a whole system which is to do with the producer and the casting director and everything that's all very complex and I don't even want to go into it I don't even know how it actually works but um with Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh Andy and Ryan Toole do you know you know them? The, yeah, they the, the the, yeah, who are fantastic. Yeah. Um, they they said to me that uh, this particular role, when they read it and when they knew I was available, that was straight away. But the way it happened with me was I was asked to read a different role, self-tape for a different role, way back in February or something like that. And that was it. And then about four months later. Um, the thing comes through to my agent saying, um, uh, am I still interested? Well, I'd never even known that I was on the cards. Am I still interested? And to play a totally different role, and am I okay about traveling? Oh. Well, you know, I don't know where all that got lost. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I thought well, I haven't even read the whole script. All I've had is two pages of this other part. Mm, okay. And I got a whole script with an non-disclosure agreement but I mean I suppose the possibility with that is that it, that was a big big producing company it's legendary and everything you know? mm. and you yeah. you worked alongside Mo Dunford was in it wasn't he yeah yeah lovely Mo. Yeah, yeah he's great yeah um, and so but it wasn't directed ultimately by the two no twins. unfortunately yeah. they got dropped after yeah. a week such yeah. a bummer because they they did the dig and I I was hanging out with them at the same festival yeah. in Italy as Barry Ward was there and Mo Dunford was there, and um it's a gorgeous film and I thought oh you know fair play great first feature great debut into the industry and so it's such I a don't bummer know what yeah, yeah I mean it was it was most strange mm. Hollywood is pretty ruthless yeah I right don't know what was going on I, I'm I they shot a week I arrived on the 
Thursday of that week. Uh, the last contact I'd had with them was, you know, two or three weeks beforehand. We were just talking about, you know. So I arrived in on the Thursday. I was in quarantine. And on the Saturday morning, I had a phone call from the producers to say that they were being replaced. The next morning, they and their first AD and DOP were on a 4.30 flight. Wow. God, it's I know, brutal. Mm. And apparently creative differences, whatever that means. Mm, okay. But they've been on it for ages. Yeah. They've been on it like ugh. it's heartbreaking for them. Yeah. Um yeah. I and- it was the only the only positive, well, not the only positive, but I mean uh, it was really devastating, particularly for Mo and me who who know them well and you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, because I had met I had worked with Ryan on the survivalist. He was the art, he was one of the art, he was in one of the art departments, can't remember which one, but you know, like, uh, and, and it went back to then that they had thought, oh, well, it'd be great to, you know, cast me in this role. Oh, sugar. Which I didn't hear about until I spoke to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, it was really tough on the two of us because, uh, particularly Mo, because uh, we were thinking, we're only here because of them. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and so, how, how did uh, it how did it turn out then after that happened? Luckily, the guy who who replaced them, David Blue Garcia, was great. Okay. I got on really really well with him. He's a Texan, Latino Texan from the borderlands, um, totally of that that kind of area. And his DOP was also Texan. So I mean, for Texans to do the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is kind of <laughs> yeah, um, and they were great to work with. Mm. really great both of them yeah, so. and is it is oh. it quite close to the the original or is it like does it branch off in its own direction people basically it, okay. it um it's uh 50 years on after ah. the end of the last one so are yeah. you are you playing one of like the original characters some years yeah. later ah yeah. i assume assuming i'm i'm allowed to say it i think i am um uh although i'm just on the imdb we're all just down as actor uh, mm. But I uh, depends how far how far the reach of this podcast is. <laughs> uh, Irish actually, ears only. Yeah, so I play um, the only survivor of. Oh, fun! Oh, that's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. cool. It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic role. It's not a big role, but it's a fantastic role. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And and it was even better than I imagined actually doing it. Uh, it it kind of it kind of developed certain kind of aspects, uh, which uh, yeah, I'll talk to you about it more another time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's exciting! I'm really looking forward. So, do do they have a a release date or anything like that yet? Um, well, there's been a there's been a teaser poster release, mm. um, which is just uh, which you'll probably see on on social media. It's really mm. beautiful, actually. It's kind of like an oil painting of Leatherface. It's it's, it's quite beautiful. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, you'll see it on Twitter or whatever. I followed you on Twitter and Instagram. Right. Uh, but uh, it's um, it's 2021, oh, yeah. I think. It's going to be 2021. Yeah, uh, it's great. I'm just see, I see it now. It's beautiful. So it's, cool. it's, it's so not what you would imagine. Like, it's 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 so not tacky. It's actually quite beautiful. Yeah. It has a slight maybe Francis Bacon quality. And yeah. Like, you can even see the brush strokes, you know. It's yeah. really textured and... Yeah, very cool. Ah. So does it does it have a kind of art house like sensibility? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I've, 
hard for me to say because because I think you know this could have been the difficulty between the mm -hmm. the, the twins and the, the studio. Maybe they were going more art house. I've no idea. Okay. I mean, it's hard to say how something's going to work out when there's such a huge, a huge. I like like I didn't realize just how huge Legendary were. Like they're massive. Mm -hmm. it, they're so massive that this, God knows the layers of what will be actually end up in the film or not. Mm, but, yeah. um, but certainly, I mean, the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, we wouldn't have called it an art house movie at the time, mm. but clearly it, it now is, you yeah. know, so yeah. it'll maybe be more in that mode. Mm. I hope it will. <laughs> and then another genre film that you did recently, what's, I love this genre title, uh, eco-thriller is the term, yeah. so sea fever. Yes, yes. See, I've got quite a, I knew there was another one, and I was saying, well, I've done more films. Sea <laughs> <laughs> Fever, yeah, Sea Fever, gorgeous, yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I really wanted to do that for a whole load of reasons. Uh, I wanted to work with NASA, and I also wanted, I, I just thought, a oh, bloody hell, a boat on the Atlantic <laughs> off the west coast of Ireland. That's where I grew up. I have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so I haven't yeah. seen it yet. Now I I kept missing it. There was two festivals I really wanted to catch on. So it's it's on my to watch list, like the survivalist. Yeah. But how yeah. is how is that experience? Oh well, that was great. I mean, it was incredibly fast shoot because it was short shoot, mm. so it was it was really fast. Um, but Anna's is so good at that. I mean, she's done so much television that she's got that ability to just move forward really fast. I'm a real slowy person, but but that fast thing really worked for this. Um, and and you know it wasn't that big budget or anything like that, but the the whole um, yeah it's kind of eco thriller in the sense that it's it's uh, it's so topical right now because we all get infected by this parasite. You know? mm. So um, um, but it was wonderful just doing something like that out at sea and I've always loved those kind of films and survivalists are the same. It's only basically three people in it. It's like cabin. It's like a cabin, you know. Mm. Um, even though you see other things, but film is essentially like has this claustrophobia to it and i've always loved those films which are like you know ship of fools have you ever seen that film no oh it's a really old film but it's an amazing film yeah, look it up yeah i mean an old black and white movie but i've always loved those films about people confined in certain places or prison movies or well it's quite you know. theatrical isn't it because it's just the yeah. actors in a room and then they get to let rip you know yeah and yeah. really rely on juicy dialogue and, and rich performance and yeah, or the ones where, you know, you can be in a vast landscape, but only three people exist or something like that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Just, I, I love that. I love that sort of, you know, the busyness of life. That, so I, uh, anyway, so, so it, was, it was a bit, it had, it had that slight feeling of ship of fools, you know, where yeah. uh, you're, you're, all, you're all stuck in this space together and, and we're all friendly, we're a crew and everything, but what, what extreme pressure does to people. The relationships and all that yeah and then so what else so i've seen i wrote down the ones i saw and then the ones that i i saw fantastic beasts the crimes of oh yeah that well, was... if you didn't if you didn't blink you wouldn't have missed me <laughs> <laughs> but still but that was you yeah, do you do I, well you do character moments really well so even if it's like at one line or you know it, it doesn't matter about the size of it relative to the script it, they're always really memorable 
So, oh, thank you. And, and it's like, there's a number of things. You've got the amazing hair and that's quite a signature. And then mm-hmm. you've got this great, you've got a great walk. There's something very sort of like assertive and clear about the way you walk. Like it's very defined. Um, right. So even if it's like that one line or whatever, it still stays in your memory afterwards, you know? Oh, so, right, okay, good. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, there, there was one really good shot I remember when it came on. It was really good. It's the way the light was and the eyes and everything like that. I remember thinking, oh, that's a good shot. Um, but that came out of the blue. Now, with all my talk of self-taping and bloody hell, you know, you're in this casting machine and you're going, you know, will I ever come out into the tumble dryer? (laughs) 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 This one was a straight offer. Uh Yeah, they just literally got in touch with my agent saying there's this role that uh, David Yates would love her to play. And and so I was sent the encrypted, you know, the encrypted script and I found my couple of lines and Uh this is it. They don't even give you your proper name in oh, the script. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, and and of course, actually, her name is really important. Mm. And I didn't know my name until after I'd done my costume fitting. I, had I known my name, I could have contributed even more. <laughs> 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 um, uh, so that was a, just a straight offer, and mm. and uh, and so I did it, uh, partly because it was so gracefully offered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, you're going. I, oh, it's yeah, quite, no, it's, it's nice, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and on set, it was it was the same. It was very intimate on set. Very, you know, you don't feel like you're in this big blockbuster or anything like that. Very, mm. very easy and very intimate. Mm. So, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's hilarious. You know, you go from from kind of very low budget stuff to something like that where you get the only flight that has business class on it and things like this. <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff being put up in an amazing hotel for two or three weeks in order to shoot maybe two or three hours yeah 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 <laughs> god just because the budget is there yeah and i mean you know like they they have to have it. they put it they make sure everything is is in place so that they can just draw draw on it whenever they need and all that kind of stuff mm. you know? yeah so, that's um, but the, the lovely thing about that is that even though it was such a tiny role it really increased my street cr- cred amongst kids oh nice more, yeah and like more people saw it probably than would ever see any of the other films i've done mm. even my dentist in london when i went back to him he said saw you and like he doesn't even have small kids but <laughs> saw it. <laughs> so he's every time i go back to him he says are you going to do any more of those you know uh, and then i tell him that all the films i've done in between and he goes oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing rings a bell, nothing resonates. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. like, do you, like, does that matter to you, whether it's mainstream, large audience, or it's more like, you know, does it matter? Like, do you, do you mind the scale of the reach? No, 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 I don't. But it's, it's interesting to observe it mm. and to go, and I can see why. Um, I mean, so I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> Excuse me. I can see why certain filmmakers, you know, will will. Uh, I, I do know one film will make make it like that. Who really feels they've got to crack the system in order to make the big blockbusters, mm. because they feel that their their work won't be seen otherwise. Mm. And I can understand that desire. I suppose my own journey in this whole world of performance and 
being an actor or a maker has been a different kind of exploration. You know, it hasn't been about recognition or, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I can see how it can really help, certainly in the film world, for you to get your budgets and for you to be able to make a thing, you know. So so I can see the kind of conflict that it would be. But no, it's it's not important to me. Um, but for instance, if there is something I'm really, really proud of, I'm kind of going, oh, I wish more people could see it, <laughs> you know, a bit, bit like that. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. I think it's really about your your priorities as an artist and then what drew you in in the first place. And maybe mm. just always trying to go back to that initial spark, that initial magic that pulled you in and not get distracted by audience and success and awards and it's a it's it's something you I think you have to juggle all the way throughout your career I think you really do I mean you you, it's so true you have to and you can't get seduced by the all the externals you know Uh, and I can see how people would get seduced actors everybody how they could get seduced by that Mm. but I just think it's a really dangerous area and um and for me uh always I have to feel there has to be some and it's my journey in film has been slightly different but certainly in terms of of live performance I can never I can never say okay I'm going to do that unless I feel just a little a spark of something it's like a kind of an impulse it's like inside my body somehow that goes oh yeah I have a there's, there's some kind of there's some kind of drive to do it or reason to do it or even if it's not articulated, it can be just something I feel and I go, oh yeah, I want to try that, I want to do that, you know? Um, and I, I think it, it's it's disastrous to lose touch with that voice, you know? Mm. Um, you've got to listen to it. In film, it's harder because you don't really know what it's gonna, you know, you don't have that control, I suppose, is the word, or you don't, you can't follow it through in that way. So it's kind of harder. But I think ideally when you're doing something in film, it, we should still use that that scale, you know. Mm. And yeah. have, have there been moments then of maybe defeat or feeling a little bit crushed or have there been moments artistically where you were maybe lost or, you know, where it was very challenging? Uh, in my life, like with, with the work? Yeah, in, in acting for theatre and for film. Well, I think... Um, I think there's times where, yeah, there are obviously times where I go, I don't know what I should be doing now. Maybe I should just retire to the desert <laughs> you know, and start writing or doing something else that you can do really solitary, in a solitary, because I'm a very solitary person. I'm a real hermit, you know? Mm. Um, and I think probably being an actor is what, uh, probably my only connection with the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I I do. I mean, I actually I think I think being kind of lost is a good thing mm. uh, because I th- I think if we hang on to anything, uh, it maybe it maybe interferes with uh, the unexpected. You know, mm-hmm. I I like to create space for the unexpected. Now, the unexpected might never happen, but that's also unexpected. Um, <laughs> I think there's something. Uh, and I, I, I um, and in terms of that, yeah, that quite in terms of your question, the other aspect would be, um, 
for instance, in life performance, I've never wanted to be a, a revenue funded company or anything like that, because I kind of go, well, that means you're, you're creating and producing to demand, you know, so you're getting money every year. So you've got to do something. Um, I've never wanted to work that way. It's always got to be project based for me. So it's always got to come from an idea that is looking for some kind of manifestation. Mm. So, um, so I prefer to work that way generally in my life. Yeah. Um, where it's just, uh, or, and I love the empty, I love empty, I love the empty space. I absolutely love the empty space. And I've done it a couple of times where I've just turned down everything in order to have that empty space for the unexpected to be able to happen mm. because we can so easily get cluttered yeah. with all sorts of things and with feeling, Oh, I've got to keep going. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And I think the, um, the, the, the quiet, the quiet waiting space is a, is a very creative space, even if nothing happens. Mm. I think there's a kind of courage that you have to develop to make the space, make the time to allow yourself mm. to, be philosophical for a while and and not feel that you need to keep producing and creating and yeah. like I'm I'm only figuring that out myself now is that I, I need those pauses and I need that that yeah. strange other world I need to go in there for a spell and then I can come back and I've got yeah. materials and I've got ideas and it's like yeah. it, it is a courage in in going back into your own heart maybe or, or stepping outside of the world for a while mm -hmm. and trusting that and trusting yeah. like okay you know, it is a journey and there's just something in the ether that I can sort of play with and grab and take back with me. But it's, yeah. it's a kind of, yeah, like an artistic courage maybe to allow yourself to do that. Yeah, I think it's really important. I mean, um, especially at the moment, I think I really felt that during the lockdown, this kind of the frantic scramble to produce. And I was, I didn't feel that, but I could feel it around me. And I just thought, but this is actually given to us in some ways as the virus talking to us, you know, <laughs> and we have to listen. Um, I think listening is really important. And as I say all of this about creating space and everything like that, I'm also aware that I'm ferociously lazy <laughs> <laughs> and that it could be just an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's uh, like the unconscious needs time out to process everything as well it's like you need to dream yeah you need to dream you need you need empty you know you you need to wipe it all away mm -hmm. um it's 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 our equivalent of a blank canvas and it, it's nearly always kind of uncomfortable but it's no harm you know it's yeah. good yeah and 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 if if we need anything in our in our world at the moment it it's that it's that clearing away you know it's like you can't start again unless you clear it all away. <laughs> yeah. And it, no. it can feel quite risky or dangerous initially because it, it's the mm. unknown. You know, you're stepping, you're stepping away from this is the calendar, this is the schedule, everything's under control into just okay. the vastness. So, you know, there's yeah. a surrender that feels a little bit risky. I know. And, and to be careful that you keep it clear. I mean, I think I, I'm, I'm very anti-domesticity. And... Um, <laughs> Because I kind of feel that, you know, that, for instance, you know, you can get so distracted by you know, fixing your room or whatever it is, or, and it's the whole capitalist mindset as well, you know, mm. home, this concept of home, which I think is, 
is a spiritual philosophic concept, not a material one, um, but it's made, it's been made into a material one. And, and also the way that, you know, people are left so helpless in this country uh, because the obsession with property. And then if you, if you don't want property, you're forced into it basically because you've no rights as a nomad or as a renter. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. All of those things. So I think those things are really, <laughs> I think they're really there to distract us terribly from the kind of journeys we're talking about. Mm. And I think it's nice that you're saying that the pandemic can be a time to reflect and step back from that. Step back, reset. But I think that also people are, you know, there are many people who are desperate financially now as a result. Mm. Although the pandemic unemployment thing, which if people can get it in our world, that's a good thing. And that's enough to live on, I think, personally. Mm. I'm shot down for saying it. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Mm. So, um, but I think this, this, I think this period, yeah, the, the virus, it's, it's time for our re to reset. And every, every time we're about to go back to normal, we're going back to the old normal, you know? And I think, but can we not just like clear it all away and start again? Mm. It's yeah, it's a huge philosophical shift. I don't know, like how yeah. it, you to have such a readiness to shift your thoughts like that. Yeah, I think I, I think probably for artists, there's more openness to that because you, you live in an unknown, uncertain world as an artist because you it's like mm. project by project. You don't have a guaranteed income. So you sort of embrace the idea of like, oh, cleanse. But then I know like most of my siblings are artists. Funny enough, we've one who isn't. So she's the black sheep. So it's all a little mm. bit back to front in her house. But, you know, she's the one who has a, a career lined up and there'll be a pension and there's all these certainties in place. And she's, you know, making her house beautiful and she's nesting and, you know, all of that yeah. is there. And so it's like, but she doesn't live in the unknown of like, oh, after this project, yeah. I, I have no income. So better yeah. go out and hustle and see what comes out yeah. of that. And We live like that all the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I've always, you know, I've, I've always just trusted. I've trusted to fate in some kind of way, uh, you know. And it, I mean, financially, everything is great at the moment you know I don't have to worry but um th I've gone through so many periods of my life where I've been so poor mm. and and I just always trusted that something's going to happen I always remember years and years ago um booking to I I had this desire to go to the N Namib desert and um I had an opportunity to do so so I I literally I had no money at all and I booked the flight which was you know, like on a credit card or something like that. And I just went, I don't care. Something else is going to work out. I'm going to be able to pay for all this. And the very next day, a, 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 a company bought my voice for a year for a series <laughs> of ads. Which like more than, it was like my whole year's income. It was, <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> so I said, that's proof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. You do, and you need blind faith. You do if you're yeah. if you're going to be yeah. making art and you, you like you have to keep trusting and having that faith yeah. in yeah in the the journey. Yeah, totally, you do. And yeah. so that I think that's maybe a really nice way to wrap up our our conversation. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then maybe just one closing question is: What would your parting advice be to young actors and actresses who are, you know, just starting out in film or theatre, and just yeah, ha you know what what to hold on to and, and how to keep going because it can be so tough at the start. 
Ah, that's a really difficult question because I know when I was starting, uh, there wasn't anything like the kind of pressures or competition that there is now. Um, I, I, had a, I was blessed the way I started, really. Mm. I started just kind of was like just the beginning of a journey, wondering where it would bring me. Um, so it's difficult to give them advice in the sense that the, the world is very, very different to when I started. But I guess on a kind of overall level, I would say, you know, it's really important to just listen to your inner voice because if you stop listening, it'll stop talking to you. So the, the kind of, if you can hear it, the, the pure instinct, you know, which is, which is not really about the person at all. It's not about us. It's about something else that's usually, it's the voice of something else inside you that is leading you or prompting you um, to try and listen to that. But I don't know if everybody has the same relationship with their inner voice <laughs> as I do. <laughs> but I would say that. Listen to your inner voice, because if you don't, it'll stop talking to you. Mm, that's gorgeous. I Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think it's really important. Yeah, and it's very easy to be pulled away from it, because everybody will tell you, you should do this, you should do that. Oh, you should do this. Mm. Um, I had a lot of that when I was starting off. Well, like, why are you diversifying so much? Because I was working in visual art, music, blah, blah, blah. You know, I've always had a very diverse kind of thing, a series of things that I was involved in. Uh, or they'll say, oh, you must do this for your career. Uh, I've never used the word career, and I never think like that, you know. I think I think the concept of career is a bit dangerous as well, you know. Yeah. Um, for those of us who... You know, yeah. So that would be it, really. Anything else you think I could, I could offer? <laughs> no, I think that's. I, I think the voice thing is is really important, and mm. and it you may not have it fully fleshed out initially. It might take time for you to hear it, and but but yeah. to keep trusting it and keep going back to it, it's so important. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah, mm. it really is. Um, and I think it is very true that it stops talking to you. Mm. Even if you're very, 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 very busy, sometimes it stops talking to you, you mm. know. And that's why that quiet space is important as well. Yeah. And it's mm. it's the thing you have as an artist. That is what you have. That's your yeah. gift. That's what you bring. So Yeah. You have to that's keep... why you're doing it mm. in a way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think that's gorgeous parting wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, look, it was really nice to meet you. I hope we meet again along yeah. the way. Absolutely. With you know, in our worlds. And, mm. uh, and, uh, and I'm going to start trying to see if I can see some of your films now. I'm so fascinated by some of those documentaries. They really look great. Oh, well, I'd love to. I'll send you a couple of links. Oh, will you? Okay, yeah. great. Great stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to. Absolutely. Okay. Great. Okay, well, thank all you right. so much. Good Thanks luck with all much. the shooting. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye. Bye.